Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, and I have Nikki Dickman in the studio with us. Hi, Nikki. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Nikki is the chief of staff at Rewind. Um, and she's here to talk about something that I think could not be more timely or more relevant. So Nikki is the chief of staff at Rewind, and she is here to speak with us today about something that I think could not be any more relevant. And it's actually specifically a topic that several of our listeners had written in requesting an episode about. So what is that topic? We'll be talking about AI today. Uh, the space of AI is moving so incredibly fast and evolving so, so quickly. AI is in the headlines nearly daily as people debate its merits, uh, its utility in helping to support efficiency and productivity, as well as the ethical and somewhat dystopian types of implications that AI presents for our culture and our society as we incorporate it more and more and more into our daily lives and our work. So today we've invited Nikki to our program to discuss her experience with AI and how she sees it supporting today's employees and more specifically executive assistants. Nikki is particularly qualified to speak on this subject and that is because Nikki, as we mentioned, is currently the chief of staff at Rewind. And Rewind is an AI company founded and led by Dan Soroker, who previously built Optimizely and garnered uh, a lot of acclaim in, in that role and for that company. Prior to her current role, Nikki has been an executive assistant, and she also started a tech company on her own um, with her psychology degree, which helped therapists connect more effectively to their autis autistic adolescent patients. Rewind AI has a very provocative thesis, Nikki. It's definitely a, it does. Definitely a nail biter. Um, it says, what if you had perfect memory? What if you could ask any question about anything you've, been, you've seen, said, or heard? Yes, very provocative. So, <laughs> very provocative. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a dangler. Um, so, I mean, let's start with that. What what if you could, you know, have perfect memory, so to speak? I mean, can you can you tell us more about Rewind's uh, origin story and how its services work and, and what it um, what it what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So I believe we have a very unique origin story. Um, Dan Syroker, whom you've mentioned, um, our co-founder and CEO of Rewind, started to go deaf in his 20s. And when he turned 30, he tried a hearing aid for the first time and it changed his life. So he describes it as to lose a sense and gain it back again to him felt like gaining a superpower. So ever since that moment, he has been on a mission for ways 
technology can augment human capabilities and give us superpowers, which led to memory. So studies show that 90% of memories are forgotten after just one week. Just like our hearing, our memory gets worse as we get older. But the question is, does it have to? So the question became, if we have glasses for vision and hearing aids for hearing, what's the equivalent for memory? What if we could use technology to augment our memory the same way we use hearing aids to augment our hearing? And that is the question and why we founded Rewind. And how Rewind works is it logs everything that you do on your computer and offers you a timeline of every meeting you've been in, every website you've visited, and everything you've typed or clicked on your machine. And we do this using optical character recognition, which is a process that converts printed text into digital image files, which you can then search Rewind by using keywords. Um, we also do meeting recording and transcription and have just released a new feature called Ask Rewind which leverages ChatGPT. So now you can ask questions based on your data, like what did I do last week? Or who did I promise to call back today? Or what was that thing that I was reading about this morning? So it's a pretty awesome tool. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's so, <clears throat> so relatable, right? I mean, how many of us have been in a conversation or in a meeting where you're, it's something's on the tip of your tongue and you're trying to recall you and you think to yourself, you know, I, I know I just saw, I saw an article about this or I read a post or I know in the last, in our last quarterly meeting, we talked about X, Y, and Z. I mean, the, the implications of something like this are pretty staggering when you really start to think about the, the different use cases. Um, what are some of the, the, the use cases that, you know, that rewind highlights or, or talks about in terms of how, this embedded technology has been able to, you know, um, amplify people's people's workday. Yeah, so there are several use cases, but here are just a few. So stop searching across multiple silos of information, like executive assistants, we're constantly context switchers, so you can instantly access a moment quickly and find a decision from a meeting or a product you were shopping for, or what was that tweet you saw. Um, this can allow you to eliminate note-taking. So with Rewind, you can stay present and in the moment in meetings and then circle back to anything you said, heard, or, or saw. Um, another one is just retracing your steps in general, whether you need to review like last month's analysis or you're trying to reproduce a bug as an engineer, you can easily backtrack through time using Rewind. And when you say that this eliminates the need to take note-taking, is that because of the, um, the, the recording possibilities and potential of, of Rewind's platform? Yeah, so you can record and transcribe all your meetings with Rewind. You can set it up to do it automatically or you can have it prompt you when you enter into a meeting and select if you'd like that to be recorded or not. Mm. Do you think that there's anything to be said about, and I'm, I'm going back to like <clears throat> my college days, which was a while, a while ago, Nikki, but is there anything to be said for kind of the practice of relating the hearing to the motor, the motor skills, right? Like kind of that, that motor ability where you actually take the time to commit what you're hearing to a piece of paper that somehow in the in the doing of that, that it helps to um, translate that oral memory into 
like more of a of a written memory because now you're you're leveraging both of those sensory things, right? Motor, hearing, all that kind of stuff. So it it kind of helps to um, reiterate that that in some way. I mean, do, do you think that there's any 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 credence to something like that in terms of how people learn and thinking sure. about that? Yeah, I think there's definitely validity to that. I think it depends on how somebody learns. Um, for myself, like when I was taking notes, I would typically get behind because maybe the professor was speaking quicker than I could take notes um, sometimes. And then I would be like, wait, what did they just say? Or, you know, I need to skip ahead now. Um, I think the behavior of actually going back to the notes and referring back to what was said is more of um, a learning mechanism than actually taking notes. Um, but again, I think it's just how you learn. But I think this allows you to, to really be present, understand what the speaker is saying in the moment. Um, you know, you can easily more react to uh, maybe questions or hypotheses within the moment, as opposed to trying to always keep up with what the speaker sure. is saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I know we're talking about it kind of in the context of how executive assistants can execute in their role, but the implications are, are so vast. I mean, even just like, like we just talked about applying this to yeah. a learning forum or um, college campuses or anything like that. Uh, so it's really Absolutely. pretty, pretty fascinating. Do you know the net, I'm totally digressing, but do you know the Netflix show sure. um, Black Mirror? Black Mirror, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do I know about it? But you know what episode yeah. I'm thinking of, right? From season one? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, we have lots of customers comment on that. So, yeah. Yes. So maybe you can tell our listeners if, who don't know about Black Mirror, what is that all about? Well, to be honest, I don't specifically know the contents of that episode in depth because it was such a long time ago that I've uh, watched it. So I don't know if yeah. I could speak or give it yeah. justice, but it's yeah. really about, um, you know, AI taking over everything and, um, yeah, yeah, it is. And and I think that the one episode that, context. yeah, well, the, the one episode that comes to mind is there's, there's this episode where they have, um, kind of a similar, you know, they explore a similar idea, which is having perfect memory. Um, and it, it's, the mechanism is different. It's like, you know, whatever, it's like this implant in your brain and it allows you to literally record every single thing that happens. And you can fast forward, rewind as much as you need to, um, to audit, to audit your memories. And of course, because it's this whole dystopian type of thing, it leads to all of these crazy implications and yada, yada, yada. But I think it's, it's a really interesting, um, it's just an interesting parable, you know, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later in our conversation as we go through, go through, um, go through this conversation, but it, it really is interesting um, just, you know, extrapolating and, and really, you know, thinking about, um, thinking about AI, thinking about memory, thinking about, the, you know, su the subjectivity of that and, and making this really um, more explicit. It's just, it's really fascinating as a philosophical discussion as well. Um, yeah, t totally. I think in that episode too, it was more like never forget a face again. Everyone can access any memory that's ever been recorded, which I think if you've gone through something traumatic, you know, that might not be something you want to relive. So it definitely 
can play into, you know, human emotions and yeah, and the reason the reason for memory forgetting things. So yeah, yeah, very true. So you mentioned one really great example about how uh, rewinds technology can can support executive assistance, which is that example of um, of helping with note taking and um, being mm-hmm. present to audit meetings and agreements that that happen in those meetings. What are some other ways that that the technology has um, been useful for helping executive assistants? Yeah, I think specifically for EA's task management. So executive assistants often juggle multiple tasks at once. once. So the ability to rewind and retrace steps um, could help EAs review the sequence of tasks completed or events that have occurred. Um, and it could provide uh, reference for similar tasks in the future and help identify any steps that might have been missed. Um, information retrieval, for sure. Um, so you could search, the, the search feature could help executive EAs quickly locate specific information from previous meetings or discussions. Um, this could be particularly useful when preparing for meetings, writing minutes, um, or following up on action items. Um, we mentioned meeting transcriptions, so that's super helpful, especially on following up on um, action items or record keeping. Um, I think communication is a huge one. So EAs can, uh, you know, they often act as a communication bridge between executives and other staff or clients. So being able to easily reference previous interactions can be helpful to ensure clear and accurate communication. And then documentation, like EAs often need to keep track of various documents and drafts. Um, so a tool like Rewind could help them manage versions of documents and recover any accidentally deleted information. Um, I know I've done that several times and I'm like, oh man, where did that go? Or I click out of a tab and I'm like, wait, what was that that I was searching? Or, um, you know, was this in Slack or was it an email or did I see it um, in a presentation? Like, was this in a meeting? Um, so being able to easily access different keywords and have that information available to you is really helpful. So uh, that's a great example. And I, I, I mean, I, I certainly relate to that of, you know, you know that you've seen it, but you can't remember, was it, was it in Teams? Was it in Notion? Was it over email? Right. Was it a text? Who, where did I hear this and how do I, how do I recall it? So in terms of understanding the scope, so Rewind, it sounds like it, it kind of audits and monitors just about everything, right? So I guess, is, is there yeah. a limitation to what it can't? see or or review yeah so you're in complete control of rewind um you're able to select which apps you want recorded when you want it recorded you could always pause rewind um it definitely gives you the the option to a la carte your (laughs) uh recording experience um so it's not like a big scary uh product that just automatically records everything you have you have full control over what's being recorded or not. Um, me specifically, I just record everything because it's super helpful, and the cost to me out, out benefits the the risk or privacy concerns. Um, but you know that is definitely something that people have brought up just with AI in general. So and I'm sure we'll jump into that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So how does Rewind AI differ from something like a chat GBT or other AI languages? 
Sure. So Rewind and ChatGPT are tools that both leverage data, but the kind of data that is used and how they use it is fundamentally different. So Rewind is designed to use individual specific data to enhance personal productivity, while ChatGPT and other AI language models use generalized data to understand and generate human-like text based on the input it receives. So we are very different in than any other AI tool in the sense that we leverage ChatGPT to analyze and interpret your specific data and answer questions that pertain to you and, and provide explanations or generate summaries based on the data that you have provided, uh, which is why Rewind is so cool. So you can use Ask Rewind and ask things like, what did I do last Friday? Or summarize this meeting for me? Or what hotels did I look into yesterday? Or what was that article that mentioned memory statistics? Um, and it actually pulls from your past use. So that's how it's different. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I'm, I'm hearing you describe this technology. I mean, I, I, if people aren't nodding at this point, I, <laughs> nodding along, I, I would be surprised because every single one of those things is so incredibly relatable and so applicable to what executive assistants and, and really, I mean, all of us um, struggle to retain in the course of a day. There's just, there's such, we're so inundated with information from so many different um, sources that just being able to kind of catalog this and streamline this in a, in a readily efficient, available way is, is really mind boggling. So yeah, how, really. yeah, how do you currently leverage AI in the course of your work as a chief of staff? And I mean, you did mention that you kind of have, have chosen to just sort of enable it across everything. So what benefits have you seen as a result of that? And in terms of both, I guess, business and personal? Yeah. Um, so I, I use other AI tools as well, um, primarily Rewind, but I do find value in like Notion AI for content creation Grammarly, which helps with grammar and proofreading. Gamma helps with generating pitch decks, which is super helpful in my job. Um, but I use Rewind to keep track of like important parameters and steps involved in project management and decision-making processes. It's like having a personal recorder that keeps detailed account of my actions and decision decisions, which I can revisit at any time, which is super beneficial. So um, with efficient decision-making, it allows me to go back to steps I took to arrive at a particular decision. Um, and then in my decision-making process, it's more transparent and efficient. And I can easily revisit past decisions and understand the rationale behind them. So like if I'm planning an event or anything for that reason, like I can go back to all of the history on why I came to a certain conclusion on that and just easily have all my notes in one place. Um, I think it's definitely improved my communication. So just having a detailed record of my actions and, and um, you know, my communication with team members, I can easily share specific parts of my workflow with others, or I can improve transparency and collaboration with the team just by being able to go back to different conversations I've had. Um, and then I've also seen a benefit of like error management. So um, on occasion where decisions have led to unintended outcomes. I can trace back my steps and identify where things might have gone wrong. And this has been invaluable um, just to kind of 
understand where those decisions went wrong and then, you know, iterate in the future. So I think it's been extremely beneficial and um, I think it can just upskill anyone um, just by having all the context in front of you. Yeah, that, that, that's really, really interesting. So when you say, you know, decision, decision-making, decision threads, um, what is it pulling from in, in, in those instances? Is it pulling from perhaps like email exchanges you had regarding a particular decision, or is it pulling from um, meeting notes and, and archives or, or, or all of the above? All of the above. I think it's, you know, was I researching something on this topic? Where did that lead me to? Um, you know, in my line of work, I am researching different tools to use to up-level our company. So like, why did I make a certain decision maybe a year ago that I can't remember um, based on, you know, pricing and packaging? Was it like something else in the meeting conversation that I had? Was it something in the email thread? Um, exactly. Like, was this a was this a conversation we had in a meeting that I just don't remember? Or was this via email? Was this on Slack? You know, how did I come to this particular decision and what was the previous conversation that was yeah. had. Yeah. It's fascinating. I, it, it, I, yeah. it's, it's almost so massive that it's kind of hard to get your head around it. I mean, I, I think like, you know, especially in, in, in the pace of startup where there's new amendments that are made constantly and there's pivots and there's directional changes and there's a need to rapidly assimilate feedback and, you know, run one direction and then pivot and then run another direction. And sometimes the, the lead up and the discussion that led to a certain outcome can, can, I mean, for lack of a better word, because we don't have perfect memory, I mean, you can forget. <laughs> and, and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've said, did we agree to that? Okay. Well, I mean, sure. It sounds plausible. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly remember the conversation or, or what went into that, but I, but there's this outcome and you don't quite recall how you got there. And I, I think that it's it's human nature. We're making so many decisions based upon so many different inputs. And then and then you introduce the, the variable of time and, you know, the, the quality of those decisions and how you got to them gets diluted just by all of those things. Right. All the different inputs and the time and all that stuff. So, so, so cool. So I guess on the flip side, what do you see as the limitations of you know, just more broadly speaking of, of AI and AI language and its ability to be helpful? Yeah, I think two, two limitations really come to mind. Um, lack of true understanding. So unlike humans, AI models don't possess genuine comprehension of the world. They rely on patterns and statistics rather than true understanding, which sometimes leads to contextually incorrect or nonsensical responses. Um, and the other one is sensitivity to input. So AI models are highly sensitive to how you um, ask questions. So even slight rephrasing can result in a very different answer. Um, they can also be influenced by biases in the data they were trained on. So unintentionally perpetuating societal biases can also arise from that. So I think that those are two of the major limitations. Are there any examples that come to mind of situations that you've attempted to harness an AI tool and had just sort of a unintentioned outcome or a, or a 
not satisfactory outcome? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's lots of, lots of chat on, on the webs about, you know, what prompts do we, we give to get the right answer? Um, how to actually prompt chat GPT to give you, um, you know, correct answers or the things that you're actually looking for. But there's been a number of times where I've asked questions and I'm like, yeah, that does not at all pertain to what I asked. And like, how can I rephrase that to get to where I want the, um, the outcome to be? Also, if you're, you know, asking certain questions, AI doesn't understand emotion either. So I know like um, currently writers are are really concerned that, you know, these large AI language models um, specifically in the film industry are going to take over. But um, currently as it is right now, it doesn't understand how to communicate like a human. Um, It's very much like, you know, here's, here's data that came and is, input it into the system and here's data that's coming out. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, I'm, it does. And I I also think too, like, I mean, the example you gave of, you know, writers being concerned, I mean, it, I think that's a really interesting thing to, to, to sit with and think about because on the one hand, um, AI is not intended to replace the creative process, right? And if if anything, it's the exact antithesis of the creative process because as you pointed out so well, it's referencing, it's programming, it's referencing kind of all of these inputs and all this existing body of information, which I feel like by definition, that's historical and it's retroactive. It's not creative and, and necessarily... Um, you know, it, it's just not creative. It's not, it's not inventing something different. It's referencing what's already is. So, I, you know, I, I think it's, we'll see how these things evolve and, and how the tools do come to, you know, to be utilized and, and how ubiquitously they, they are used. I think so much of this is still like a TBD type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, does that does that make sense to you too? Like the, thinking about AI in the context of the creative process is seems kind of I don't know. I, I have a hard time with that one. Yeah, I I think it would take a while to get there. Um, I think that's part of some of the concern about being displaced um, that's arising because you know the smarter these models get. Um, maybe the more creative they can be. Um, I think at this point, you make a really good point. I think this is very much like an augmentation and like um, something that can help uh, writers or um, executive assistants, for example. Um, But, you know, there has been concern that this could, you know, potentially uh, displace like humans, you know, Mm -hmm. um, ultimately. Mm depending on how <clears throat> how smart it gets. Well, that's but the black I, mirror I, all over again that we were right, talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't know how, I mean, it's AI is definitely not there today. Um, and I do think that's definitely a concern and that's why there's so much conversation around this topic right now. Um, but, you know, I think that humans 
if we have the right guidelines in place and maybe a stopping point, um, we can kind of control that. But I think what the general concern is, is if we kind of let that, you know, amalgamate and just get out of control, like, you know, where are we going to be left for sure? Right, right. Um, and it sounds like in the context of our conversation today, and also just in the context of the state of AI today, that it, it's still definitely um, an ally. I, mean, I think you've painted a, a, a very compelling picture of how it can be an ally as opposed to an enemy in the, in the context of, you know, executive assistant work. And, and I mean, and even more broadly speaking, right, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, of utility to how you can, how you can incorporate it. Changing gears just a little bit, um, Nikki, as, as somebody obviously working inside the industry, can you speak to some of the security standards or some of the efforts that are being launched to protect this information and um, that's, you know, that's input or shared over these platforms. And I, I think this is, you know, just a really interesting thing, subsidiary, you know, consideration in all of this is just given how young this industry is, it, it reminds me a little bit like when fintech and data encryption and, you know, financial information, when all of that started ballooning and, you know, this whole information security um, industry became such a focus. And I, I wonder if you see any parallels and just what what do those conversations look like as someone inside the AI world? Sure. So to just speak on your first point about security standards um, and protecting information, I can speak for our app specifically. Uh, we take a privacy-first approach. So all data is stored locally on your device. Uh, the only time information will ever leave your device is if you decide to use Ask Rewind, um, the Ask Rewind feature, which is powered by ChatGPT. Um, and we've partnered with OpenAI specifically because they've made it very clear that they are committed to ensuring user privacy. For example, um, the system does not have the ability to access or recall personal data for from conversations unless explicitly provided the context for, for the conversation. And it doesn't uh, know who the users are and it doesn't store personal data past um, during the conversation. So that is why we feel confident with using ChatGPT. I know other companies are using, you know, encryption measures, et cetera. Um, and we're hoping eventually that um, AI language model can just be directly on your device and not have to be in the cloud or um, processing, you know, where information could potentially be shared. So that's kind of our guideline as a company. Um, to answer your second question, um, I do believe that there is there are several parallels between the rise of the fintech industry and current state of the AI industry, um, especially in terms of you know, information security. So importance of data privacy, the financial data is, was highly sensitive, the data or is still, um, you know, data used to train and interact with AI can, can also be sensitive. And this can include anything from personal information to proprietary business data. Um, as such, there's growing focus on ensuring that data used in AI applications is stored and handled securely. Um, there's also regulatory scrutiny you know, um, there's ethical considerations for sure. Um, 
for fintech, these included like questions about financial exclusion and data privacy and for AI, ethical issues range from algorithmic bias to potential misuse of AI technologies, encryption and secure communications, trust and transparency. And then I think really one of the biggest ones that people are talking about is the risk of displacement. So um, both fintech and AI technologies pose a risk of displacement for certain jobs, which you know mm-hmm. leads to discussion about reskilling and the future of work. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely think there's multiple parallels between the two. Yeah, there are. And I, I think it's a lot of it is still being written, right? And I mean, you mentioned yep. like regulatory, there's there's just, there's no way that regulatory has caught up to any of this stuff yet. And, and you know, I know like with, <clears throat> with information security, there's all of these compliance standards and audits and all of these controls, but a lot of that has probably been introduced over time. And a lot of that tends to trail, obviously, the, the technology itself. So I think we're still very much in that kind of ambiguous world of um, of trying to catch up to of, of security trying to catch up to the technology itself. Um, you said something that I, I just wanted to, to kind of double click on, which was you said that um, so you guys as a company, speaking for Rewind, obviously you you store everything locally, um, but you also said that that the conversations aren't. Um, aren't stored beyond a certain, they aren't stored kind of in, indefinitely? Or can you elaborate what you mean on that? Because I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused about that part. Sure. So um, if you've used, used chat GPT, um, you can uh, do a new chat, you can delete a chat. Um, when you're asking questions from one chat to the next, it does not like go back to all your information and deliver um, an explanation for maybe a I question see what you're you saying. Have. Okay, got it. Yeah. So yeah. So for example, if I was working on, you know, um, I don't know, maybe an itinerary, and I was using ChatGPT to give me some ideas, and like, you know, several days later, I wanted to add something to that or ask a question regarding that. It has no way to go back and actually search that you had this communication. So in a sense, there's a safeguard there. Got it. Yeah, the query kind of dies with with once you close that that um, that browser or whatever that window. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So we touched on this a little bit, but I, I guess just to kind of go a little bit deeper, do you see the advent of AI as a strategic opportunity for executive assistants to be able to really 10x their productivity and their effectiveness in their role? Or do you see it as somewhat of a veiled threat to the profession that could potentially make EAs obsolete? Or if not obsolete, you know, maybe it causes further consolidation in the industry. So if right now, you know, let's say a company has a one-to-one ratio of EAs to executives, that with increased efficiency or productivity, now the company says, well, we don't need one-on-one anymore. We can have six executives for every one EA. Curious your, your thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think EAs can leverage AI to streamline a number of things like scheduling, data analysis, information retrieval, and communication, um, allowing them to be efficient and resourceful. Um, for sure. 
Um, and I think it could just be valuable in their toolkit. So augmenting their skills and capabilities rather than replacing them. Um, I do think that there's been a large shift from the traditional EA model to more of a strategic partner. Um, I've seen this in like, uh, you know, ABP roles. Yeah, business strategic partner business roles. partner, administrative right. business partner. Um, I mean, even your yep. title, chief of staff. Exactly. So I think like what we envision as like the standard EA role is very much shifting. Um, and I think that with that, AI tools can can really help um, and not replace necessarily. Um, I do think that it could lead to, you know, maybe not needing as many um, EAs depending on the support level. So, uh, you know, there, there might be administrative assistants that support VPs or directors that, you know, might not be needed because mostly that's calendaring or um, something along those lines. But I think for, for the executive assistants that are working alongside, um, you know, CEOs or executive partners, um, I think that that is not something that will become obsolete. And I think it's important to note that, you know, executive assistants extend beyond just tax, task execution. So EAs often serve as trusted partners or providing strategic insights, decision support, and human judgment, and they possess interpersonal skills, emotional intelligence, and deep understanding of their executives' needs, which are very de- difficult to replicate and cannot be replicated by AI alone. So I think these are unique qualities um, that EAs have um, that make them valuable contributors to the success of the executives and the organization. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, to 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 um, hone in on something you talked about about the relationship aspect, so I, I think that's really that's really really key in terms of how you think about your role and how you think about your value, and also what are you paying attention to and and what are you kind of um, optimizing for in in your support relationship. And I you know I go back to we just um, we just released our second uh, e learning course, which is about becoming a, how to be an effective strategic executive assistant. And we, we define strategic first and foremost as the sum of tactical tasks, operational tasks, but also relational tasks. And, and I think that it's that relational piece that is so important because that's, that's a, it's a hugely important part of what adds up to being strategic and, you know, we may find, um, I, I think what you described as Rewind's technology is brilliant for the operational stuff, right? I mean, help me operationalize this decision or what was the decision um, hierarchy for X, Y, Z or what were our criteria? I mean, there's a way of accessing and storing that operational knowledge that's that's so well served by um, this AI, you know, type of solution. But I think that the relational things... Um, are not as well served, right? <clears throat> and so I think that if EAs are feeling in any way concerned or threatened about this, I think like going back to what you said and and just really thinking about, okay, what are you doing to really optimize for the relational elements of your job? And that that includes both your relationship to the executive, but also 
to the broader executive, you know, eco- ecosystem, right? That's that's their other executives that they are in touch with. It's your external contacts, it's cross-functional relationships, it's clients, it's customer bases, it's investors. I mean, there's like this whole framework of people that surround the executive. And I think that there's a lot of um, staying power and value in really emphasizing that and, and focusing your effort there. What What are your thoughts? Absolutely. And I think AI um, advancements can absolutely help EAs and they have the opportunity now to adapt and upskill so they can focus on developing skills that are complementary to AI, such as like critical thinking, because AI can't critically think, you know, relationship management, as you had, had mentioned, and complex problem solving and strategic decision making and, you know, continu- continuously evolving their capabilities um, and embracing AI, because this could totally help them. Um, and I think, yeah, the EA position themselves for an evolving future where human expertise and collaboration are highly valued if they can, you know, focus on those skill sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the example of calendaring, like I'd be curious how AI treats some of the nuances related to calendaring because calendaring, of course, as you mentioned, like it's pretty, you know, it's, it's both tactical and strategic, right? There's definitely a tactical component to getting the calendaring right. I get that. But there's also a strategic element to it and there's also a relational element, right? So if you know that your executive is just a disaster before lunch because they get low blood sugar and it's not an opportune time for them to be placed into a meeting that's, you know, like a really critical discussion or whatever. Like, I don't know that AI is ever going to have that sensitivity to know those types of things or to know how to optimize for an individual's behavior and and preferences to that extent, right? Like you can tell AI, I assume, you know, don't book during these blocks or whatever, but I don't know that that intuition piece is as of yet there. 100%. And you, I mean, you really had the nail on the head with that. It's like AI cannot predict like if, for, for example, I've had this happen where my executive child like ate peanuts and they were allergic and had to go to the hospital and I had to reschedule a bunch of investor meetings. Like AI does not have the relationship with those investors. They don't understand the context behind it. They don't understand how to communicate that effectively to each and every one of those individuals. And they don't know those, those people's um, executive systems to work with to reschedule. I mean, um, I think there's absolute dynamics that will never be replaced um, because it can't think on its feet and it doesn't have common sense and it, you know, it, it doesn't have a way to adjust and um, iterate. So um, I do think for me, I don't think it's a concern. Um, I think again, AI can just definitely be leveraged as, um, you know, augmenting a job and not discussing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I, you know, also, a lot of executives that we work with don't, I mean, they want that relationship, right? They don't, they don't want to be represented, so to speak, by, you know, an, a nameless, faceless thing. They, they, they seek that, that 
relationship. They value that relationship. They want that connection and, and support and chemistry and um, sense of, of, you know, reassurance and all of the things that, that come with that. Right. So, but I, I do think that it is an invitation, as you say, to, to, to focus on, on up-leveling your abilities and, and focus on, you know, thinking about how to stay relevant with the evolving technology. Um, but also as an invitation to really make sure that you are um, distinguishing yourself and, and, and creating the kind of longevity and relationships that, that give you that sort of immunity. And, um, you know, it's just sort of a, whatever, um, one-off, <clears throat> but I, growing up, I grew up in the Bay area, um, and I, we crossed the Bay Bridge all the time, right, to go in and out of San Francisco to the East Bay, East Bay to San Francisco, all this kind of stuff. And I'm old enough that I remember back in the day that there were toll collectors that collected um, the the five dollars, you know, that it, that it, or whatever, it was probably three dollars back then, but to cross the bridge, and that was a job. And I remember, you know, friends of ours whose parents had that job and every once in a while you'd get lucky and you'd end up in their lane and they'd wave you through and you'd save the $3 and you were like, oh my God, it's the best thing ever. Um, but that was, that, that was a human that did that back in the day. And it's been ages since we've had, you know, fast track and all of these other um, radar sensor enabled types of things that that's, that's no longer a job. Um, and so like that is... That is the world, and that's obviously something that was not a sophisticated job in that it could be easily replaced, right? And so that's it, it makes sense. But I think it's a useful parable to remember, and I, and I think of that myself. Like when I drive across the bridge to this day, I think about like, you know, I think it's an important reminder that nothing is fixed and that... It's really incumbent upon us to always seek um, ways of bettering and improving and continuing to refine ourselves so that that's not something that would ever be, you know, um, a concern. Yeah, definitely. So um, I have a final question for you, Nikki, which is... If you could support anyone throughout the course of history and time, who would you choose to support and why? I love this question. Um, Richard Branson, for sure. Um, I just think he is a super cool dude. (laughs) um, (laughs) I just love his innovation and his entrepreneurial spirit. Um, And he started so many companies that in such a, wide range of industries from music to airlines to space travel. Um, I just think working for him would be extremely exciting and dynamic. Um, I also love that he is employee centric. So he has been quoted saying clients do not come first, employees come first. And if you take care of your employees, they will take care of your clients. Um, So I just love that. And just how human centric that is. And then I just really love that he has so much social impact. So for example, like Virgin Unite, um, his philanthropic group arm um, works with a variety of causes, including climate change, which is huge for me, human rights and social entrepreneurship. So 
I really feel like he is very well-rounded as an individual and um, leader and, um, you know, really wants to make a positive difference in the world as well. So that's who I would support. Yes, he is certainly a good a good choice. He's also been married to the same woman for like ever, which I, I like. Yeah. <laughs> kudos, totally, kudos to him. Yeah. yeah, right? That's that's also impressive. Yeah. So um, great okay. answer. Well, Nikki, this was a really a doozy of a topic. And I, I think it's, I, I commend you for stepping up to the plate for this one. I, I mean, I even felt um, a little intimidated by this conversation because it is so it's just so amorphous and dynamic and it's it's really hard to you know to to fully grasp in some ways but um i think this was so enlightening the way that you talked about um how these technologies come into play and, and how you can work with them and just your framing of the issues was really 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 great so um thank you for for being here it'll be interesting like in a year's time to re-listen to this and see how things may have changed even from that point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is changing daily, so, <laughs> uh, which could be good or it could be scary. We'll see. But, um, I, I'm optimistic that we will find a balance with AI. Um, and I think, you know, the, the need to put in safeguards and understand the technology is very apparent and people are really focusing on that. So um, I think that's good um, that everyone's being proactive about how we are going to handle and treat AI. But I do think, you know, we can work together with it and um, really, you know, take some of the, the burden of, you know, tasks that, um, are somewhat tedious, you know, off the plate for us and, and be a little bit more efficient, um, especially in this world where so much is coming at us all of the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very well said. Well, thank you again, Nikki. Thank you. Appreciate it. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.